Hey builders, welcome to another episode of the People of Growth Podcast. I'm back. It is Nate Elliott as your host once again. First of all, special thank you to Taylor Bailey, the man behind the podcast, for um, coming out from behind the desk and doing a little interviewing himself. I really enjoyed that episode. Hope that all of you did as well. We're going to keep having him do some of these. But today, our guest is Adam Ballinger. Adam is a former professional basketball player in Australia. He's now an illustrator. He's done some really cool stuff. We talked about his career, what it looks like to be an illustrator as a profession, and lots of other cool stuff. So I'm going to shut up and let's jump into the show. Welcome to the show, Adam. How are you doing today? I'm not too bad, Nate. How are you? Great. So why don't you tell everyone where you are um, chatting with me from? I am in Melbourne, Australia. Long way away from where you are. Yeah. It's two no three eighteen on Tuesday here. Perfect. So you did not grow up in Australia. So how did you end up there? So I grew up in Indiana, a small town in Indiana, and um, as most people from Indiana do, I was playing basketball from a young age. Um, and that was my first passion by far ever since I started playing it. That's all I wanted to do. And I, so I went to Michigan State on a scholarship, um, played there for five years, graduated, and my first professional playing gig was here in, in Melbourne, actually. Okay. Played in the, the basketball league here professionally for 12 years and met my wife after I was only out here for about two, two months and we met and we've been together ever since. And now I've got there you go. three kids and I'm a citizen and everything. Awesome. So it sounds like you, you must have, you must love it there to, to stay there for that long. It, it's a good, it's a good place to live. It really is. I mean, quality of life and just the people and the culture is great. It's too far away though. That's, that's my only gripe. Yeah. Is, um, it's really hard to get home. I got a lot of family and friends back home, but when we do, it's pretty special. Oh yeah, totally. So I would love to, to talk a little bit about your career at Michigan state. So you won a, a national championship your first year, right? Yeah. My, well, my first year I was, so I, I read, I was there five. So my first okay. year was a red shirt. Uh, I ended up breaking my leg my first year so it was a medical redshirt and then my so what the my second year which is like my you know redshirt freshman year however that works with yeah we won a national championship yeah in 2000 so what was that like what was that that feeling like to to like win it all and be the champion of the world you know yeah uh it was so you grow up watching everybody grows up watching the final four and um, the tournament and uh I just remember as a kid just seeing the celebration to to win something like that. I always loved just watching the teams and celebrate like crazy after you you'd done something like that. But you you know you want to do that in your life, but you know you probably never get the chance, no matter how hard you try. And then all totally. of a sudden, you know, I, I go to this team and we end up being really really good. And then it it becomes a, a possibility. And but even if you're really good as a, as a team, you still need a lot of luck. But that team that year it was kind of a, a destiny thing. Like we just couldn't be stopped. You know, it's the best team I've ever played on uh, from top to bottom, and uh, it was it was wild. Like it was you know playing in front of sixty thousand people and in my home state. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. It was just as crazy as as the cliche says. It was uh, that's kind of the only way you can describe it. Yeah, I can't imagine. So I'm curious. You you had that that leg injury um, your freshman year. How how was coming back from that? I can't imagine how like frustrating that must have been. You finally 
get to college and you're probably like rearing to go and then you break your leg. What was that like? Um, it was a fractured, I was out for a few months, but I still was able to come back and practice that same year. But, uh, for everybody's got different situations. I was the only freshman there. I was the only recruit cause it was a much older team and already established. And I was, I was going to play some, but I wasn't going to play a whole lot. Um, so it wasn't kind of the crushing thing that it would, if it would have happened later in my career there, you know, your senior year yeah. or something like that, you go out with an injury that that's a lot tougher, but, um, it was a setback, but it was, you know, it didn't as far as didn't, the media wasn't too, too worried about it when I went yeah. down with, with an injury. Um, it was more personal, uh, but yeah. it allowed me to, you know, just, just another year of development and another year of kind of learning under the great coaches and players I was with. So it was kind of, it wasn't as bad as it sounds, I guess. Okay. Yeah. It, it's funny. I've, I've interviewed a lot of people and, and a lot of, probably most of them will will reflect on something bad or hard that happened. And they're like, yeah, like it sucked, but it was good for me in the end. Was that, was that kind of your experience yeah. as well? <laughs> yeah. You kind of find that you kind of find in the moment it's, it's tough, but when you can get some distance from things like that, you realize that where that, that led you eventually. Um, yeah. Things like that kind of really, if you can, keep your head during it. It, uh, it, it does, I think help in the end. Totally. So I was doing, I try to do my research. So I'm, I'm prepared for stuff like this. And I came across something on your Wikipedia page that said that you had the opportunity to play, um, an exhibition game against, um, magic Johnson. And then I looked up and I saw, yeah. I saw a video and it's real. And so it, it nobody made it up. It, it happened. So can you tell us what that experience was like? Well, he played a couple, couple games. I think a couple games during my career there. It was a, they beat us, which was bad. <laughs> it was an exhibition game, but you got yeah. Magic Johnson on the other team, and they beat us. So that that was that wasn't good. But other than that, uh, he actually, which he used to come in the summers and play with us in open gym. Oh, that's awesome. And that's what yeah, that's without all the people around. And um, I was the guy who always had to guard him. I, we were kind nice. of the same height. He was. Uh, I mean, even back then, you know, he wasn't playing anymore by any means. He hadn't mm -hmm. played for a long time, but just his hand, the size of him, his hands, the way he controlled the ball, and you just couldn't take it off him. And then, you know, it's Magic Johnson. So if he if he calls a foul or something, yep. you know, you can't argue with him. And yep. he won every game. He won every game because if he missed, he just called a foul. No one's saying anything. That's funny. But to be able to just yeah be around that guy and then to tell you know tell my kids now you see all the highlights and stuff of him now and he's still in the public eye and it's like yeah you know I've met him met him a bunch of times and he's always I think still now he even comes back to campus and hangs out with the guys and so uh, yeah that's uh, I've been pretty lucky all my career to have met some really amazing people. That's awesome. So you graduated and then you went to Australia and you had a really long career there. What was it about? Was it your wife that kept you in Australia? What was it about Australia that, that kept you there for so long? Cause I, I'm sure you, you must've had opportunities to play elsewhere. Yeah. I played a few other places for shorter stints. I played Israel and New Zealand and Puerto Rico or the other countries I played in, but the league has run really well here. It, it's, it's getting more notoriety now and financially it's a better place to be, you know, money wise, they pay more now. Back then it wasn't, it wasn't quite the case, but it was just more of the way it was run, the, the teammates, the culture of the team was kind of like college atmosphere. You know, the guys you, you hung out and 
no 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 huge egos or anything like that yeah. and it was a very physical league it was kind of like a big 10 style league back then uh it just fit me really well i just i really liked being out here and i really wanted to have a longest career as i could and i just thought you know i'm happy here so i'll try and stay here as long as i can yeah i'm really interested in inflection points in people's careers where they change and they start doing something new and you did you played professional basketball for 12 years um, and then now you have what on twitter at least looks like an incredible career as an artist so how did you i guess make that decision to hang it up and start something new well, I wish I could give you like a 10 step plan that I had, but, um, planning's never been my, my, uh, forte. Uh, I, I was, you know, I said basketball is my first love. Well, art like illustration is, it was my second and it was something yeah. that I always did throughout my life. And then as I played, like you said, there's a point, you know, as your career goes, goes on and a, a sportsman, you know, you, there's always a time. And even though if you have a long career, you're still, you know, 35, I, 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 I retired when I was 35, but you know, it's, you're not old enough to retire by then for sure. So you got to figure out something else to do, which is a, yep. it's a hard thing because you know, what I've done my whole life was basketball. Everything was centered around basketball. It's how I kind of ran my life. But then, so I kind of really started concentrating on it the last few years of my career. And then once I retired, uh, we moved back here to Melbourne and, that was, it was a tough, it was a tough time. Like I had to try and find a job <laughs> with no experience doing anything yeah. else. And so I did, I, I, I took a job. I was working, you know, as a coach and like you know, in a basketball club here and stuff. But during that whole time I was working more and more on my, my art. And then after a couple of years, I kind of got to a jumping off point where I said, uh, I want to try this full time. I've been able to do it. I don't know how I, it probably wasn't the smartest move to, to, you know, say I'm just doing art now, but I've, kind of done it by long hours and just kind of a blind faith of I'll take this job then I'll, I'll do the next one kind of anything that comes at me I'll, I'll do that and figure it out as I go and I and so far I have it's been it's been good yeah so I'm curious what are some of your favorite things that you've been able to do since you made that career change I know one of my favorite things that you've done is you just did the prison mic shirt Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and that like I love that I'm yeah. a huge office fan. But what are what are some of your favorite things that you've had the opportunity to do? Well, it's things like that. Like that was, you know, some of those things that are just kind of my own ideas and my own things that I put out there. I, I enjoy that because every artist wants to be like have that creative license to kind of just do whatever they want, and then hopefully people connect with it. So uh, things like that. You know, I don't. I, I wish, like I said, I wish I had a plan, but just for a long time when you're when you're an artist and you're a creative and you're you're working hard you're putting in the work for a long time no one cares like no one it doesn't yeah. matter what you're doing you put it out there no one pays attention it just takes the work it just takes a lot of time and probably the neatest thing especially when i step back and, and think about it a little bit is that people care now like people connect with what i'm doing i'm kind of doing the stuff that of the people that i looked up to when i was first starting out and to be able to just, you know, subsist on my art and my creativity makes me pretty, you know, proud oh, of yeah. oh, what yeah. I'm doing. There's no, like, map to be able to figure out how to do this. You just kind of got to go and see if anybody is on. So uh, I don't take enough time to kind of sit back and think, oh, you know, five years ago, if you had told me I was where I am and now, I'd be pumped about it. But oh, yeah. when I do, it's just, it's hard to, hard to kind of stop and smell the roses, I guess. 
So I'm really curious. You you talked about how for a long time it felt like you were just making making things and creating art and nobody cared. How did you you push through that tough time? Because I know this is this is a question that I think listeners have, but this is also like a personal question for me. I've been working on on Voxter for for years now, and there are definitely those low times when you put out something that you think is incredible, and then you like nobody. There's not the reaction that you hoped for. So what what do you tell yourself when you, or what did you tell yourself when you had those moments? Yeah, for sure. As a jumping off point, I think like you said, when you're starting something like Voxter or something that's creative. It just, it's got to be because you have a passion to do it. I don't know that anyone ever started something creatively in the, the only thing they cared about was the money or the fame yeah. because yeah. it doesn't, it's not gonna, you know, no one's ever started something like that just for that. And I don't, and, and it worked out or at least, I don't know. I, so when I was starting out, I wasn't really putting a whole lot into what I was getting back. You know, I, I was just kind of, I'd do one thing and I'd move on to the next pretty quickly and I could kind of see my improvement and kind of have a little bit of faith to where it's going somewhere, you know, and some things catch on and some things don't, but I don't know. It's kind of like if you have the passion to, to do it, you just kind of got to accept that you're going to be doing it for a while and no one really cares. But I think if you get through that point, then that kind of proves that you're in it to, to stay and some things will stick and some things, some things don't. But if, if you kind of, so, cause I have a few times, I'm sure you have, it is like you wake up next morning and you think I'm done. Like this is, yep. I'm just totally. going to stop. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to stop. And then I just don't need to do this. I'll do something else. Well, that could be good. Like that's a point where you may, you take a couple of days off and after a couple of days you're right back at it. And I think yep. that's the sign to show you that it's going to happen. It's just, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. I love that. So I'm really curious. We talk a lot about mentorship at Voxter and kind of the whole point behind this podcast is we believe in mentorship, but we don't, it doesn't necessarily always look like having somebody that you call and you ask all your questions to, but for some people that is, that is the case. What role has mentorship played in your life? Well, through in my, my basketball career it was huge, Yeah, but it's much easier to find mentors in, in a, in a team sport because your mentors are the people who are playing above you, the older guys or the, or the coaches and stuff like that. And I was really lucky to have good coaches and good people getting me in the right direction. But in the art world, I'll be honestly, I do not know. I didn't know. And I don't know personally anyone who does what I do. Yeah. It gets harder because you just, I work from home and you don't see anybody. You don't talk to anybody. You just, you just kind of keep going from your office at home and then putting stuff out there in like the digital world. But I have connected with people through social media and like, that's been a great thing through like Twitter and Instagram and all that is the, the connections you can make through people out there who are doing, who are doing what you do. Like, cause they're all over the world. There's only, there's not that many of them, but it's, it's um, kind of seeing what they do. And if, if I think somebody in your field, whether what, whatever you're trying to do, and if you, you reach out to them through an email, probably an email is the best way to go, or like a DM or anything like that, and they can see that you genuinely want to do what they're doing and genuinely have the drive and the creativity and you're kind of in their same lane. But everyone's been nice about it. Like people write back, yeah. like people like that who can see that you're also putting in that work and that effort, they'll get back to you and they'll help. Like it's a, it's a community has been really positive and it may not be the same mentorship as as a person you know, in person type thing would be but 
I just think reaching out to someone who's doing what you're doing, but is, is above you or like where you want to be at, they see that and they usually they, they will get back to you and they'll try to help you out. Yeah. I want to hit on what you said. I think that there's a difference in, in kind of like a hollow outreach where you're like, Hey, I'm curious about this. Like, tell me about what you do versus like, I've been working really hard on this. This is what I've done. Like yeah. I have a specific question for you because I'm, I know that like when I reach out to people and I can see, say like, Hey, like I've done these 50 plus interviews. Like I have this question, yeah. well, do you want to come on my podcast or whatever it is? That's way different than if it's like, Hey, I have an idea. Like, can you talk to me for 30 minutes? Like that doesn't mean anything to people that are actually doing the work. Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk a little bit about social media because I, I feel like it's played, played a big role at least like that's how I found you. And I, and I love to see all of your work on there. How has social media played a role in your, your art career and how have you like approached it to make it useful for you? Well, for me, I was anti-social media before I needed to get my art out there. So I wasn't yeah. on anything, Facebook, Twitter, nothing. Um, and then once I was trying to do art and trying to, you know, in my illustration and trying to build that up, the only way to do it is, is through social media. Like you, you got to be your own biggest fan at the start and you got to be like willing enough and like have, you know, enough trust in yourself to put your work out there and see if anything comes back. So I started social media solely because of my art. Um, and it has been, I have a love hate relationship with it, but it has been kind of the only reason that I can do it now Yeah. through the, the following I've, I've built on. My favorite one is Twitter, uh, but Twitter and Instagram mostly and through my website, it's been the only reason I can do it. And, but I, <laughs> I kind of, I love it and I hate it. I, I love it because it, it is a great way to get yourself out there. It's a great way to network. But then I also think before I was on social media, I was reading so much, so many more books. I was doing things that, you know, some long form, taking in long form uh, entertainment and not just checking, you know, your feed every 10 seconds. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think I, I would love it much better if I could only do it for an hour a day, like my phone yeah. locked for an hour a day. Um, I need more balance, but it, it, it's absolutely the only reason I can, I can do this now is, is it, so for that, you know, I got to, got it's it's just a great tool it's a really good tool for creatives totally we haven't talked a ton about this on the podcast but i'm i want to start digging into it a little bit more parenting has a huge impact on your life i i have an 11 month old son and since he's been born like my perspective on the things that i do is is very different so what role has being a parent played on your work Jeez, a lot. I mean, you, you said it once you have kids, you kind of everything kind of revolves around that in a good way. I mean, that's the way it should be. Um, but for me personally, when I started doing this full time, they, you know, I've got three kids and they're, they're all a little bit older. Our oldest is 13. Um, we've got two younger boys, but kind of the pressure of needing to make money and pay the bills, like, you know, the kids are there. They need, that's what kind of got me up in the morning and kept me working. You know, I think you need that a little bit. Like there's something's pushing behind you. Like if you don't get up and start working and start making some money, then the whole thing's going to fall apart. But just as far as schedule, you know, with my schedule, uh, I get up about 4.30 every morning and start work because I need to get three or four hours in or at least three hours in 
before the, the day starts and people start taking away from your time. Like, you know, the kids need to get up. They need to, they, you need to make them breakfast. You need to get them off to school. Then after school that ends around two thirty or whatever, then they've got, you know, a coach or sports teams and stuff like that. So I love doing that stuff with them. But if, you know, if I didn't get up early and, and get my own work done before they needed stuff done for them, then I just wouldn't have enough time to do it. So they kind of determine your schedule, uh, but they also kind of driving force behind you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I love that. I really appreciate that. So my last big question for you, I like to dig into what exactly people's work looks like and what what their process is. Um, And I think that a lot of people, they don't understand the work that goes into one of your illustrations. Mm -hmm. When we see other people's finished product, a lot of times we think, oh, that's really cool. But we don't see the hours and hours that went in. So could you tell us what, kind of about your process when you're creating something, what does that look like start to finish? Well, it varies a little bit, obviously, on, on what you're doing. But for the most part, I'm, I'm doing like caricatures, like sports caricatures, like you'd see like late 80s, early 90s, that, that kind of style. So for one of those, you know, you got to be careful of like the time you put into it and for what you're getting paid. Like, every little bit counts. So even if you're, you know, searching for photo reference or you're doing a little bit of research that, that counts towards your hours you're putting into it. And it doesn't always feel like it does, but like getting back to emails and stuff like that. But so just, uh, you start with a piece of paper. I get a, a, like a certain type of pencil I've got that, and I just got, kind of get the form of the, of the body. Like it's just the basic, you know, arms, legs, the sizing proportions. Um, and I'll work on that for a while. And then once I've got that close, then I'll sometimes I'll put it into a computer and, and mess with the proportions a little bit more through Photoshop. And other times it's, it's ready to go. And I'll just, so I'll trace that onto a, a piece of paper that the art's going to be on, get that loose outline. Once I have a loose pencil outline, then I go over that and really tighten it up. So tighten up the, you know, I always do the body first, tighten all that up, get that as good as, so what that's ready to go as far as inking. But then then I always leave the head last and the head is the most important point part, obviously, because you know, you gotta get the likeness and stuff like that, but it's my, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of my least favorite. I should do that first, but so I'll grind out that out for, for a while. And sometimes it comes easy. Sometimes it does not. You just sit there thinking like you change one little, you know, line on their nose and it doesn't look right. And that can be frustrating, but once you oh, got yeah. the pencil and so the whole thing is penciled out, then it's kind of downhill from there. You still got a lot of work to do, but that's the hard part. And then after that, so I go over that with, with ink, then I erase the pencil and then I go over the ink again to, to thicken out the lines, scan that into the computer just so I have the black and white art. And then, so I do all my work traditionally right now. So then I just go about coloring it and I use like Copic markers or art markers and um, the coloring takes, depends on what it is, but it probably takes two or three hours. And that's like a basic, that's basic. You know, there's a lot of different totally. factors of, of what's yeah. going into it, but it's, it's kind of like a three-step process and it can take anywhere. Like one piece will take me like one caricature can take, you know, probably eight or nine hours unless they're easy to draw. Wow. That's helpful to kind of see into your, like see into your world and what goes into that. So my final question I might have already told you the last one was my final question, but this is my final question. (laughs) So if someone that's listening to this wants to be a professional basketball player or a professional illustrator, 
what advice would you give to those like separately? I'm sure that would be different advice, but maybe not. Well, I mean, it's the advice of hard work is, is worse for anything like that. Let's see basketball. I would say being tall helps and athletic. (laughs) Yep. But I mean, it's just hard work. You want to get in front of the right people. You want to have good, good coaching when you're young and you got to learn like the fundamentals when you're young and build on that. So don't, basketball i say don't don't just start shooting threes the second you walk on the court you got to start with the little things and things that aren't as fun and then you kind of work on those building blocks you go kind of go from the bottom up and that's the same with with art i would say but with art you know i i've always i heard at one point i heard someone say if you want to be a good writer you want to be a you want to make your job a professional you know writer they say write a hundred books throw them all away and show somebody you're 101st. And that's kind of the same with anything creative. I feel is like, you've got to put in the work first, you know, just because you have a platform now with Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean you can start doing it one day and start putting your stuff out there and that you're going to get a reaction. You got to put in the work. And, and, And I've, I feel like I did that for sure. I put in the work before I started showing anybody, but even when I first started putting it out, I can look back, two, three years ago and think, well, that's why I wasn't getting the jobs that I am now. Cause you can, you can really see, you know, what focus practice can, can do for you. And it, it reading books and following the people that are doing what you want to do really helps like podcasts, no doubt about it have helped me because they can be so, you know, if you're into anything, you know, you're into, I don't know, building bikes, like there's probably 50 podcasts out there that oh, yeah. can help you and do that. And, um, I know it's a cliche and I know it's not what people want to hear, but you've got to put in the hours. And if you don't know how to do something, just start doing it and you'll figure it out. You know, if you're putting in the work, you'll eventually figure out the little tricks that that'll help. But the little tricks are like, they're like 5% of it. You know, 95% yeah. of it is just, just doing it, just doing a job, getting it in, say, I'm going to do this, doing that, finishing it, and then moving on to the next one quickly. That's a great answer. I think I don't I don't think that it's helpful to hear hear an answer that makes you feel good. You you got to get the good stuff and I think that you're really right. You have to put the work in and I I appreciate you being honest and not not just telling us something that makes us feel good, you know. Yeah. It's not easy, you know. It you don't just get to do it cuz you want to do it. So last thing before we go, if people want to follow you and they or they're curious about seeing your work or maybe getting a commission done or something like that, where can they find you online and get in touch with you? Just Adam Ballinger Art. If you just Google that, that'll get you Twitter and Instagram. And then I've got a website too, but oh, it's all linked. You know, it's all Perfect. the same. Yeah, yeah. All, all linked to the same thing. And um, and we'll yeah. throw links in for that and everything. Okay. So everyone can go, you can go look in the show notes um, and find all those links. And I really recommend checking out his work. I have one of his stickers that I, I put on the back of my phone case. I got the Bryce Harper sticker and, I'm going to oh, go, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go have to order the, um, the prison mic shirt. Cause that's pretty awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Adam. We really appreciate having you. Okay. Nate. Thanks a lot, boy. Yep. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Adam is really cool. I learned a lot from him. Go check out Adam You can find some really, really cool stuff on there. I like the stickers that he does. They fit really well, like around the back of your phone cool stuff like that and then you can follow him on twitter at adam underscore ballinger b-a-l-l-i-n-g-e-r if you would like to support the podcast 
please go to patreon.com backslash Foxter Life. Find a tier that fits. We're going to try to start doing some more um, things to interact with all of you in the coming months. So hop on there and be the first to be in the know. So thanks again, everyone, and keep building.